You're listening to the RSA Conference podcast, where the world talks security. Hello, this is Britta Glade, Director of Content and Curation with RSA Conference, and I'm happy to welcome today Teresa Gao to our podcast. Teresa, can you introduce yourself to our listeners, please? Thanks for having me, Britta. Um, so I am co-founder of Aspect Ventures. We're an early-stage venture capital firm that invests in a broad range of software and technology. About a third of our portfolio is in cybersecurity, and I've actually been investing in cybersecurity for many years, including some companies that are now public, like Imperva and Forescout, as well as several private companies. And I've been fortunate to work uh, with the RSA team on the entrepreneurship and innovation part of the conference. Super, and I know we appreciate greatly your assistance. So you're a founding member of our Innovator and Entrepreneur Program Committee, and um, we've spun up a seminar there. We've started Early Stage Expo. You've given some great counsel and oversight there and, and really driving this narrative that we have with this um, innovator community. So thank you. Thank you for being with us, and thank you for that, that guidance you've given us. I wanted to start with, if we could, what areas in security? You mentioned you've, you've had a focus here for quite a while. What areas right now do you see strong revenue growth in? So the good news, I think, for, for, for security is we're actually seeing pretty strong revenue growth across the board for cybersecurity companies. Uh, you know, I, in the last two to three years, the speed at which companies go from zero-stage startups to 5, 10, 20, 50 million dollars in revenue has has shortened from what used to be probably more like 5 plus years to within a couple of years for fast growth growth companies. So I think that's the one thing that's terrific just, you know, because now where cybersecurity purchasers used to be, you know, the regulated industries, you know, financial services, um, health, so on, now it's every industry and also it's very global. So I think that's been one of the drivers. Some specific areas recently where we've seen a ton of traction has really been around um, anything that is um, helping with uh, with with uh, analytics and visibility uh, in in the in the enterprise. Uh, so things like you know in the in the logging and tracking space. So Exabeam is an example of a company uh, that I'm involved with where they had really fast growth, um, and then also. Um, Anything that is um, helping with IoT, uh, sure, and 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 then beginning to emerge a lot on sort of you know cloud has been there, but really more specifically around like microservices, containers, serverless. We're starting to see the beginnings of some upticks there. Exactly, interesting. I'm almost I'm almost thinking of a Moore's lock type of thing as you're talking about how the cycles have changed and the investment investments of changing. And I know we've tracked with the winners and participants with Innovation Sandbox, it's crazy the amount of money that they're taking in and how quickly products and solutions are spinning out. So so to your big growth areas, talk to me about blockchain. This is an interesting one where, you know, Bitcoin was all the rage and then went away for a long time. And then all of a sudden we started hearing more about blockchain and, and application well beyond just financial services. Do you think that blockchain represents an opportunity or a threat for this for the security industry? So I definitely think it's an opportunity. And so I, I think it was great that you pointed out the differences between sort of, you know, Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies versus blockchain. Yep. So the, 
The reason why blockchain, I think, presents a great opportunity for cybersecurity is just like any any other time, we have a change in a, a new infrastructure platform, right? So if you go back and historically, when you know, um, the, you know, early days internet, and then moving to cloud and SaaS applications, each time there's a platform disruption, it creates a whole new set of security needs. And I, sure. I view block I view blockchain technology as potentially that same type of infrastructural uh, transport layer, if you will, um, with the distributed ledger. So I think it creates opportunity. I think it's still fairly early because the adoption in enterprises, which is typically where cybersecurity vendors sell into, of blockchain is still fairly nascent. Uh, but I think that there there's a lot of concerted industry effort, not only in fintech but across industry, um, you know, discrete manufacturers and others who are getting behind, uh, it seems like mostly Ethereum, but regardless of, you know, the idea of having a distributed ledger, and so we'll need a whole new set of security paradigm monitoring oversight. Um, we, uh, we're about to make our first uh, seed investment in something around that space. Um, so it's definitely early days, but I think over the next few years that will be an interesting potential growth driver. Sure, space to watch. Yeah, that one's an interesting one um, that we've seen different applications, even geographically, with what people are doing. Uh, we saw with the call for speaker process as we were reviewing them, there were some early stage um, proof of concepts and some interesting things. So that's going to be an interesting space, I believe, to watch. And I, I like you taught you the platform disruption certainly is driving some interesting things there. So, so shifting gears somewhat. Um, what investment strategy changes? You know, you, you've been a VC for a while. Clearly, um, you know, different things happen there, lots of money flowing through security. What investment strategy changes do you believe VCs are using now? And, and is, it, is, it, is it any different than what you've got in the past? Oh, so, the, so you, you know, you pointed it out with just what you see recently in the uh, investment sandbox, but let me just give some context, right? So since I've been doing... Um, Cybersecurity investing um, since the last millennium. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but if you, if you compare, so it, back then, you know, uh, and you guys see it with sort of the sizes of RSA conference itself, right? So every year I'm blown away with how much bigger it is. Uh, it's, it's, a, it's an indicator of the, of, of the startup activity and the, the vendor activity and, and indirectly also of the, the, the VC investment activity. Just to give you context, um, I don't have the 17 numbers yet, but the 16 numbers, um, it was about $6 billion of uh, venture dollars went into cybersecurity companies. Uh, wow. That That is a huge number, and I believe actually for that year was the single large, you know, who knows how they do these categories, but according to their categorization, it was actually the largest category, uh, meaning receiving the most dollars out of any other subcategories that they put within, within uh, IT. Um, and that is that is up more than tenfold from um, I believe I looked at the data that was sort of uh, ten years prior to that. So we've had a tremendous amount of dollars going into it. So how yeah. has the strategy changed for venture in general? I think in general, right in the in, in the late '90s, early 2000s, you know, people thought of cybersecurity investments as you know a small-ish percent of their overall venture investment portfolio, like single digits, right? Um, and also because the thought was most of these companies will be acquired, and very few of them will go public. Um, I think now, um, you know, 
uh, you know, kind of going back to time, then, you know, you had sort of Palo Alto and FireEye, and then, you know, last year we had Okta and Forescout and a few others. And so I think people see as venture capitalists, oh, no, there's actually IPO outcomes as well as, uh, as well as uh, M&A outcomes. So it creates bigger upside opportunities. So what you've seen is I think for a lot of people, they started investing more dollars. Um, we uh, have always been investing in the space, um, but we definitely increased specifically our investments when we saw the, the faster rate of revenue ramping. Um, and so, you know, we, we tend to be investing thematically um, based on sort of infrastructural changes like some of the things that we talked about. But I think for a lot of VCs, that we're seeing more VC firms who maybe weren't as active in security before um, now becoming active. And then we're also seeing the rise of some, you know, cybersecurity-only dedicated funds, right? Whether you think about um, how Trident created their own cybersecurity-only or um, the, the, the 10, 10, 10, I'm going to get the, the numbers wrong, uh, guys who are just, you know, cybersecurity-only. So we're starting, that, that's a change. We're starting to see some cybersecurity-only uh, funds or portions of funds. Interesting. So you have been instrumental, again, in providing us much guidance on, you know, what's happening in innovation, what are entrepreneurs looking at. We did introduce last year uh, an area called Early Stage Expo, um, recognizing that there are many, many companies that are, are they're, they're not quite to the point of showing up on that, that ever-growing RSA Conference Expo floor that you referred to, mm-hmm. but they still want to get some buyer visibility. What, you know, put, put your, your crystal ball out. What do you think we'll see this year within Early Stage Expo? What would you point people toward from um, trend standpoints and very interesting innovation that's worth paying some attention to? So I think that um, a couple of things that we've already talked about and and a couple of things that I think are are newer. So I think we will continue to see a large number of sort of um, cloud uh, security companies, microservices, containers, serverless. Uh, I think that will continue to be a big area. I I hope that we'll start to see some early um, uh, security solutions around blockchain, uh, as we discussed. Um, Yep. And then I think... I think this is less about sort of the um, the specific market that they're targeting, but I think that another sort of fundamental technological shift is, you know, um, uh, machine learning used to be uh, a, a bad word. Yeah, <laughs> uh, it was scary. Thing. And, and now, yeah. now it's like sort of everyone's doing it. But, but I think in, in reality, I mean, given the huge growth in the volume of data, right, if you just think about – if you think about the fact that, you know, now we have um, billions of Internet-connected devices, and that's, that's ballooning with IoT devices. It's, like, literally going up, like, orders, <laughs> order of magnitude. So yeah. I think security companies, if most security companies that I know of, are embracing and investing heavily in whether you want to call it most of them will call it machine learning. Um, the, the, the secu- my, my security experts will tell me it's not really AI. So machine learning. Um, it's going to, exactly. The purists will divide between AI exactly. and machine learning. Yes, so yes, yes. So, so I don't, I don't want to get, I don't want to get uh, in trouble with some of my um, CTOs uh, and, and, and not being precise enough. But so, but absolutely applying machine learning to these huge and ever-growing data sets that they're collecting. Uh, and then, you know, obviously, this is your point about Moore's law kind of issue, like. 
similarly, it's so much cheaper now to store and collect data uh, and continuing to be so um, uh, on a regular basis. And so companies have more and more of this data. I won't even call it it's security data, but it's not necessary. Yeah. It's just basically analytics data, right? Yeah. Um, and in, 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 in the RSA case, used for that. So I think we'll see more and more companies applying machine learning for specific security use cases, whether that's, you know, um, like I mentioned before, like Exabeam in sort of user behavior analysis and logging uh, and, and SIM. And we also see people using machine learning for things that like, you know, in incident response. Um, I think we'll definitely start to see a bunch um, in sort of, you know, anti-money laundering um, and, uh, and identity uh, as well. Um, yeah. So I, I think we'll see some cool stuff there. And then, and then who knows? I'm, I'm always I, what, what's fun about it is I'm always surprised. Like you know, I, I don't. Sometimes there's always going to be some things that are like new, new, new that I hadn't hadn't seen before. So it'll be exciting. Yeah, no, it, it it is. And when you see the different ways, you think well, as as we were talking about with blockchain, that you know, it's the first life we were seeing Bitcoin, and then blockchain is that completely different platform applied in totally different ways. We had noted when we were going through the submissions this year, yes, machine learning interplayed with artificial intelligence, and you know that seemed to be kind of the the marketing veneer for some things, mm-hmm. and yet underneath it were some really interesting, fascinating offensive and defensive plays and ways that people were using things. So um, there's there's never a shortage of new things happening um, happening within our industry. So so to that end. And I know I often hear, we often hear this argument among um, uh, some of the, the cutting-edge companies, the enterprise folks. Um, there's this, this friction between do I buy from an established player where I know it's going to work a certain way, I've got an army of salespeople and service people that can come to me, you know, no one ever got fired for buying X, to, wow, there's this really cool new thing that sounds like it's going to solve this very specific problem that I have. How do buyers find solid startups that they feel comfortable adding to that overall solution in their, their security portfolio? There, there's probably not a one-size-fits-all, but, but what advice would you give to someone for finding that solid startup and, and making that a little bit of leap of faith sometimes? Yeah. So, you know, I think that um, for enterprises looking at startups, you know, there, there are a lot of, so if this is helpful, this is kind of how we look at it, right? So, you know, the, the biggest thing that we look at is, you know, look at the management team. And, you know, most, this is a benefit in cybersecurity that's not necessarily there in other sectors. Most of the cybersecurity founders, um, even if their companies are new, they are repeat entrepreneurs, right? So you take somebody like, uh, who happens to be uh, someone I've been fortunate to work with many times, so you take a company like Cato Networks, where Shlomo Kramer is the founder and CEO, and, you know, last year was sort of our first real year of shipping product, and you would say, well, wow, this is a really early-stage company. But obviously, <laughs> Shlomo was also the founder and CEO of Imperva before that, now a public company, and before that, co-founder of Checkpoint. Now, they're not all going to be Shlomo, but most all of the cybersecurity entrepreneurs that I, that I have seen that receive venture funding and get promoted by, uh, you know, an RSA in any of your various um, locations, um, they, they raise venture funding, and most all of them have, you know, you can track them uh, and look yep. at their last company. And so 
that's a long way of saying that's what we bet. And if I were investing, uh, you know, meaning investing my enterprise's IT budget, not just investing, in my case, my firm's venture dollars, first thing I look at is the, the management team and do they have a track record of delivering, you know, enterprise-grade security solutions? Maybe not at that company, but at prior companies of theirs. That's probably the biggest thing I think that anybody can look at. Um, you know, uh, the, if it was a financial services uh, uh, ad right now, I'd have to say past performance is not a prediction of the future. But in our business, we actually find that it's a pretty good predictor. Um, so that's one. Uh, Two, obviously, you know, not all startups are created equally, making sure, and again, this is easy to find, making sure they're well-funded, meaning dollar amounts, and uh, if you care, like looking to make sure that the, the investors and the board are people who also have uh, experience and success uh, investing in and building uh, other cybersecurity companies. And then the, the last one, which of course is what everyone always wants to look for, is, you know, um, very few people want to be the first customer, and I totally get that. That's a very different sure. mindset. And actually, these companies know who, they, who, who the design partner type customers are. So, but then go and talk to those design, you know, get customer references. Um, I think that's the biggest thing uh, that, that people can do, and these companies know that, and they expect to, to be giving you references um, that they can talk to. Excellent. So, um so I have a question I'm going to throw at you. You keep mentioning Shlomo, interesting guy. How if, if I'm an if I'm a, an aspiring innovator, I'm an entrepreneur. I'm listening to you right now. I'm I'm madly writing down answers to these questions, and you're, and you're triggering all kinds of ideas for me. How do I become a Shlomo? What do I do? I'm not there yet. How do I get there? So I think if you want to be a, a cybersecurity entrepreneur and founder. Uh, the biggest thing uh, would be, you know, go join a existing, you know, it can be a startup. I, I would say, you know, a, go join a private company that is in cybersecurity space that, and where you can not only learn and get experience, right, so that that next time when that when that CEO or when that CISO is looking at whether they want to buy your product now at your new startup, they can go back and say, oh, you know, uh, you have an, you have experience. Oh, you were at this other company. That company delivered good good product. You were part of the core product team there, product management, whatever your your functional role is. Um, so I think that's the biggest thing that you can do. It also is the biggest thing you can do because that becomes your network of potential co-founders and early employees, right? So you, yep. you have a, a ready built network there, um, and. Uh, you know, and and obviously, lastly, you know, it's likely that those customers that you get to know at you know company A, when you're ready to start new co B, that will also carry forward. So I think that's the biggest thing that you can do is if you're if you're interested in being a cybersecurity founder, go out there and join whatever stage you're personally comfortable with another cybersecurity company that you believe strongly in. That will be a sort of the best experience and training for you so that you can go off and start your own. Great. No, but my, my father's a doctor, and it almost reminds me of that. It's a residency. It's a fellowship. I'm, 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 I'm building up what I'm learning through experiencing it um, in, in different ways. Um, so that's, that's excellent. So I'm going to um, thank you for your time. Leave, leave with this final question. Uh, we're getting ready for RSA conference in April. Uh, we'll have lots of attendees. 
What guidance would you give to our attendees that are interested in the Early Stage Expo or Innovation and Entrepreneur Seminar, our Innovation Sandbox? What would you advise them? Go into it with these three things you want to get out of the experience or these four things to do or these, you know, five people to to meet or, you know, leave knowing some new people. What action items are you going to give to my attendees who care about innovation and entrepreneur? So I think that um, the – so one is if you're thinking – to your prior question, if you're one of those people who's thinking about starting a company, absolutely yep. the, the, the content, the programming, the seminars, the panels, and the networking uh, at the um, innovation and entrepreneurship track is go. Go look at what's there and then go and – listen to the content, but also it's a great networking opportunity to meet not just the panelists, but also think about your fellow attendees because you'll, you'll find like-minded people. So I think, uh, I think the networking piece of it is a big part of it. I think the other part of it, of course, is that, you know, many of, if you already have a company, uh, you know, this is definitely a place to go out and meet potential customers. Uh, RSA has a very, you know, an amazing, uh, Set of uh, attendees uh, at all levels uh, on the on the potential customer side as well. And then I guess sort of lastly, I think that um, definitely the um, the innovation sandbox has proven to be a great place if you're if you're one of those customers uh, to go and look at you know the companies that are going to be you know the next ones that you're going to think about uh, adding into your uh, portfolio for for great new technologies. Excellent. And it's in its biggest area ever this year because uh, it, it keeps drawing a larger and larger and larger audience. Um, thank you. Thank you so much for joining us today, Teresa. Thank you for your guidance and oversight that you've given as we've we've built out our ability to really try to deliver additional value to the great innovators of our industry. Um, it's exciting. As you say, the innovation is certainly not stopping. Um, great things happening in security, and, and, and thanks for participating today. For our audience, thank you very much for tuning in. We welcome your feedback further on this topic and anything else you might have on your mind through our social channels. We look forward to seeing many of you in April at RSA Conference. <laughs>